views expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station, its management, or other advertisers. You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio. Welcome to Lucid Planet Radio with Dr. Kelly Neff. This hit show will illuminate your senses and empower you beyond your daily stressors and hardships. Renowned psychologist and author Dr. Kelly will captivate you with far-reaching topics and amazing guests as you wake to the greatest version of yourself. Learn to tap into your intuitions, think critically about our world, heal emotional and psychological wounds, and follow your passions to live your dreams. Each week, you'll learn how to navigate the global shift of consciousness and explore the deeper knowledge within. Welcome home. Now here's your host, Dr. Kelly Neff. Hello, everyone. I am Dr. Kelly, and you are listening to Lucid Planet Radio on Transformation Talk Radio and WBLQ 1230 AM, Rhode Island, Connecticut, and New York. Stay with us for the next hour and let us help you experience inspiration, creativity, and knowledge. Every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern on Lucid Planet Radio, we truly have some of the most gifted and amazing scientists, healers, speakers, and authors helping you to discover the greatest version of yourself. You can find out much more at thelucidplanet.com and listen to all of our show archives at lucidplanetradio.com. We are all now also now offering some amazing new sponsorship and advertising partnership opportunities as there are plans to expand the show to over 200 AMF. FM digital cable stations in 2016 that would put Lucid Planet Radio in 11 million homes in the U.S. as well as an extensive global syndication. Wow. So if you want to get involved in that and find out how we can create a mutually beneficial sponsorship plan that can meet all of your conscious business needs, please email me at drkellyneff at gmail.com, D-R-K-E-L-L-Y-N-E-F-F at gmail.com. All right. So today's show is the first show of the new year. Woohoo. And we are all about starting it off right for 2016. And so for today, really the goal is to open our minds and to think deeply about the human condition, where humanity is heading, and really what is each of our individual place in that future. Um, in my personal opinion, this is a really incredible and exciting time to be alive, possibly the most exciting time for humans to be alive with all of the rapid growth and transformation that's happening in so many areas, science, technology, art, culture, medicine. And we have tools now for teaching and learning and solving problems that past generations really could have only dreamed of. And in many ways, for me at least, we are truly in the midst of what MAPS founder Rick Doblin called a psychedelic renaissance when he came on the show a couple months ago. But of course, in a practical sense, what does this all mean? And how do we begin to really make sense of this ever-changing reality? What is reality? How do we find our place in all of this? How do we connect with ourselves and channel our creative voice and creative expression with so much rapid transformation happening all of around us? You know, where are we going? 
And so to kind of address these questions, maybe, I am <laughs> uh, very pleased to welcome to the show today, really a modern day renaissance man, Michael Garfield. Um, Michael is an experimental singer-songwriter. He's a live performance painter. He's an evolutionary philosopher. His expansive and empowering vision of our place in the universe has resulted in quite a prodigious body of work, which is really his labor of love to the world. He has been called a psychedelic stand-up philosopher. He has been called a biomechanical lightning rod. <laughs> you can see all of his work and find out much more about him at michaelgarfield.net. So without further ado, let's welcome Michael to the show. Hi, Michael. Hi, how's it going? Dude, it's awesome. How are you doing? I am alive. Woo! I, I, uh, I think you you just saw that I posted on, on Facebook that it, we, my fiance and my sister and I very n narrowly escaped a, a, like a massive... Uh, like eight or nine car collision on I-35 just two days ago. So like that yeah. was, uh, you know, those little brush brushes with your mortality really yeah. kind of put things in perspective, don't they? So <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm feeling good. Did your life flash before your eyes and you got to see and relive all of your childhood memories? <laughs> no, not that, not that lucky. Um, no, I, w I wish we could. I mean, I've had near-death experiences as well, and it hasn't been like that. But at the same time, I completely agree. Something about it just kind of like zaps you into that state of gratitude. Um, we don't realize how fragile we are, this flesh and bone. You know, we think we're like indestructible and we can change the world. And sure, we can invent all these amazing toys and technologies. But really, when it comes down to it, we're very, very, very fragile, transmutable beings. Definitely. Well, you know, I, I think about uh, there was, you know, Graham Hancock has been making the rounds on oh, the, yeah. the, the podcast circuit about his yep. new book. And we had him on like, the, like a month ago. Yep. Yeah. So like this evidence that that there may have been a prior human civilization that was destroyed by a cometary impact 13,000 years ago is a real, it's a reminder that it's not just like the happenstance of human life, but that we're basically playing Frogger with yeah. our like interstellar medium and that there's all these enormous chunks of rock that our planet is narrowly missing at any given time. And, and that really it's just, you know, b because we don't have a, uh, you know, an, a massive international collaborative effort to prevent uh, further asteroid and comet impacts that we're just, you know, our, like everything that we think matters, everything that we care about is held by the, you know, is like contingent on the grace of us not getting zapped by another comet before we're ready to actually deflect it. You know, so it's <laughs> oh, like... dude, it's totally insane. And but I love Graham's opinion. Like, oh, but it's not doom and gloom. Like, we're you know we can be positive, and you know from a psychology standpoint, it can be really hard for people to make sense of their mortality, right? And you know, like terror management theory, all these ideas in psychology say that like we tend to kind of go towards the norm. And kind of like we get really scared when we realize like how certain death is and how it's going to happen. And so we don't want to do anything too crazy or too out there because we want to fit in with everyone. And I kind of reject that entire philosophy because I feel well, like, right? Anyway, mm -hmm. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Oh, yeah. Well, so there's uh, Alan Watts wrote that book, The Wisdom of Insecurity. Mm -hmm. And he said in, in that book that all of our society is like – that, that attempting to, to grasp at security, 
which the more we know, the more we realize is not only an illusion, it's a really shoddy illusion. It's a really lousy, false pretense that such a thing as, as security can ever happen. Like I know, you know, people that are healthy and wealthy and, and well-connected and, you know, they get hit by a stray bullet or something. It just doesn't yeah. matters like all of these things that we use as metrics for terror management like you said you know are um basically only useful it's weird it's like we we have these sort of gradual con- catastrophic issues like cholesterol or chronic inflammation and all of that stuff flies under the radar you know like the most dangerous stuff our our cognition is is uh biased towards over evaluating or like over overvaluing the risk, overestimating the risk of, you know, t- these, you know, going on an adventure, you know, asking someone out on a date or whatever. <laughs> but, but then we like under evaluate the risk of sitting in a chair all day, which, mm-hmm. you know, now all these, all these scientists and medical practitioners are stepping forward and saying that that may be worse for us than smoking. So, you know, it's just, it's just a matter of, of, um, so anyway, Alan Watts says in, in the wisdom of insecurity that this game that we're playing of keeping up the appearances of safety is like a breath holding competition. Mm. And that like the, the harder we try, the, the, the more we're, we're doomed to fail because we're walking around like clenched fists, you know, and like, how long can you really sustain that kind of stress, that kind of like low grade grinding of always being in that same gear of trying to like, you know, prop up this, this fantasy that we're going to live forever. And so you end up with, wow, I didn't think we were going to get to this so early in the conversation, <laughs> but you end up, you end up with this whole, like death is a disease rhetoric that you see in, especially in like certain corners of the transhuman conversation, you know, where people like Ray Kurzweil are, are like, yeah, let's, let's, and Aubrey de Grey, let's eradicate death. You know, it's like, how do you expect to do that in a world where the, in order to get there, in order to like make the body live forever according to our current definition you have to create this extremely complex and fragile technological infrastructure so like we actually become more more contingent than we were because suddenly your immortality technology relies on you know storing your your brain in a server that gets knocked out by a solar flare Ugh, or and like for me like that just sounds terrible i mean we <laughs> i don't i don't want that like i don't i even talk about this i don't want to return my rental car which is like this flesh suit and get my full deposit back i don't want to get i i want to just return it and i want to be done with it and whatever happens next you know, we're not here to live forever. And like, I think there's so much, you touch on so many amazing topics, like particularly like anxiety, you know, so much have had that. You talked about like the low grade grinding of like trying to survive. And like that, that, that to me is where a lot of anxiety comes from because we've, we're creating this like dichotomy. That's a false dichotomy. You know, we all die. And so it's much easier just to kind of like accept maybe that and just do what you want, do what makes you happy instead of trying to fit into everybody else's norms and models for like, oh, you should do it this way, you should do it that way. 
Um, but anyway, <laughs> having said that, I can't believe we're at the first break. Um, you are listening to Lucid Planet Radio with Dr. Kelly. And when we come back from the break, I will be here with Michael Garfield, and we will be talking about all kinds of interesting magical things like the psychedelic imagination, creativity, art, symbols, the future, etc. So stick with us. We'll see you in a minute. Introducing the Lucid Planet, a digital gathering place featuring cutting-edge, high-vibrational content that will empower and inspire you to become the greatest version of yourself. Visit the Lucid Planet today to stimulate your mind, body, and soul as you connect with a global community of like-minded people. The Lucid Planet is edited by renowned psychologist and author, Dr. Kelly Neff, who is here to help you cope with anxiety, connect to your higher purpose, uncover your true passions, and live your dreams. Dr. Kelly's fresh, compassionate perspective emphasizes growth, transformation, healing, and thriving. Even in the face of adversity, say goodbye to bad news and low vibrational media for good and become part of the larger collective of people working together to navigate the global shift of consciousness and transform the world from within. Join the planet, the Lucid Planet. Visit thelucidplanet.com. Welcome home. Has asthma or allergies got you singing the raspy blues? Allergy and Asthma Networks is the nation's premier nonprofit patient-centered network of doctors, caregivers, patients, and healthcare professionals who are dedicated to ending death and suffering due to asthma, allergies, and related conditions. Join President and CEO Tanya Winders each month on the Dr. Pat Show to learn more and visit AllergyAsthmaNetwork.org today. Breathe better together with Allergy and Asthma Network. Are you ready for a game changer? Sarah Westall is bringing you Business Game Changers Radio. Sarah brings you leading experts, visionaries, and newsmakers who provide the best commentary on big issues and cutting-edge innovations. Sarah's 20 years as a business executive will help you think like an entrepreneur with expertise, energy, and attitude. Tune in to Business Game Changers Mondays at noon Pacific, 3 Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Have you ever tried maca? Meet my friends at the maca team. They are dedicated to bringing you the highest quality, traditionally grown, organic, GMO-free maca supplements on the market. Their high-potency maca products have a vast array of health benefits and will make the perfect gift for that special person this holiday season. Use maca in your shakes, baking, herbal teas, and much more. Visit drpatspicks.com today to see our holiday offers and specials. Are you having trouble getting a car loan, divorce, charge-off, or repo? Bad things happen to good people. Introducing Central Auto Credit. You will be approved every time, guaranteed. Call 860-564-4014 for Central Auto Credit. 1230 WBLQ. If never I met you. 
We are back on Lucid Planet Radio with Dr. Kelly, and my guest today is modern-day Renaissance man, philosopher, and artist, Michael Garfield. Um, before we continue, I just want to make sure um, that, Michael, our listeners know how to contact you and how to find out more about your art, your music, and your events. Yeah, definitely. If you are a spam robot, you can send emails to michaelgarfield at gmail.com. Or if you're a human being, I will also read and respond to your emails at that address. Um, michaelgarfield.net is my site, and that's where you can access all of my music and the, the talks that I've given and all of the, the writing that I've done for web, different websites and magazines. And my, like, I think I'm nearing up on like 300 paintings that you can check out on that site as well. It's just, it's a little much. So, you know, make yourself a cup of tea and find a comfortable chair and then, you know, have fun. Well, I mean, you know, I think it's great to be so dynamic and, you know, I don't know where you find time to do it all. Um, and I also want to give Not you that props. a job helps. Not- <laughs> Well, I mean, this is your job, I guess, but yeah, but I mean, um, well, and that's something to talk about too, right? Because for creative people, it's often really hard to find the time or to make a living off of your creative work. And I know you just made your entire back catalog of music free, Mm. right? I don't like to tell people it's free. I like to tell people it's pay what you want because, (laughs) you know, I mean, I see it, I see it. It's, it's almost like a Hippocratic oath. I was just, uh, talking with the host of the beastified podcast and they were they were asking me questions about music as medicine, which is, uh, you know, we can we can segue from before the break talking about, you know, mitigating our anxiety in the modern world with this notion that that uh, they were like, well, you know, what do you think about this stuff? And it's like, well, uh, I'm not alone in this. I know that the songwriter Carsey Blanton has has made a similar choice, and a lot of artists have made a similar choice uh, to make their their entire catalogs available for whatever the the listener can afford. But she has a really excellent way of framing it, which is that she considers this music to be of medicinal value. And that in a sense that we are taking a Hippocratic oath as, as creative people, you know, that we really want our work to make a positive difference in somebody's life. Uh, you know, I've had people tell me that they had my music playing when they were conceiving a child, when they were giving birth, you know, uh, when <clears throat> that they want it to, you know, they want to be listening to this music when they die. And it's like, oh my God, like, how can I, how can I tell you what that is worth to yeah. you? Yeah. You know? So it's, I mean, in, in a sense, I think it's kind of like the issue of, um, you know, declaring insolvency when you go to the hospital, you get a bunch of emergency treatment and you're just like, sorry, you know, sorry guys, I can't afford to pay you the, you know, the like artificially inflated market price for this. You know, it's, it's digital. I, I, I need your help. I'm not going to lie. You know, I'm not, I'm not rich by any measure. You know, I, I, it means a lot to me whenever, when anytime I get an email saying somebody's donated something, I would so, so much prefer people be listening to what I have to offer and benefiting from it than uh, pretending it. But on that note, there's another side to it, which is that uh, there's this, this tricky human thing that we, we assign more value to something if, it's, if we're told that it costs more. Oh, yeah. And I mean, so like, social psych. That's a, that's a tricky yeah. fire to watch. You know? like, <laughs> it is. 
That's, I mean, you know, there's a tightrope there and I don't think I've really found perfect balance in, you know, asserting that I know that my work is of value and this is, this is, and then, you know, just wanting to give it all away. And this is something so many artists I know right now are having trouble with. Yes. No, you're absolutely right. Even like some of the most successful ones on, in terms of financial success, there's still that internal battle of wanting to make a living, wanting just the art to be out there for everybody. And I believe, and I've had some guests on the show recently, Alexis Neely, who was a personal, is a personal finance advisor talking and, um, Amit Goswami talking about this like new economy that's emerging an economy that's based on consciousness and that the monetary value of items has to do with how they enhance our consciousness. And more and more we're seeing this and maybe it's going to take a while for, you know, the entire capitalistic system to catch up if ever. I mean, certainly Amit Goswami believes that it's going to happen, which I think is amazing. Um, and it kind of begs the question, you know, as, as we're evolving and as we're realizing that, you know, our bodies die, Right. And, you know, we have a very limited time on this world. What really matters? And I think that for many, what really matters is the things that make our life beautiful, the things that challenge us, the, the people, the ideas, the art that pushes our consciousness into a new realm, that there is an immense amount of value in that, that it almost exceeds the, any dollar amount. And so I like to believe that over time there will be a level of compensation when these yeah. ideas, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's going to well, happen. Well, there's the spiritual reward, you know. I mean, there's, there is this issue of, of like, uh, you know, the posthumous reappraisal of someone's value, of their contribution to history, you know. And yeah. I, I think, well, you know, Yeah, we talked during the break this, about this whole, like, legacy of survival, right? Yeah, leaving a well, legacy. Leave behind. That. Well, that, that's a little different because I'm not really sure that somebody like Vincent Van Gogh was attempting to leave a legacy. He was just, <laughs> you know, following his thing. But, yeah. but, um, you know, there, there is, I have to pay due to the perspective articulated by people like, uh, you know, art writer J.F. Martel, that the function of art is, is not to motivate anyone to action, in any particular way, but really to, it's actually to, uh, induce a state of aesthetic arrest in someone that like the, the, the beautiful is sort of terrible. It stops us in our tracks, you know? And in that sense, uh, it's really hard to quantify the value of a piece of art. You know, it's not so much that beauty is in the eye of the beholder because, um, Maybe, you know, I, I kind of tend to think that the ability to see beauty is a skill and that, you know, that it's, it's maybe even a measure of a person's uh, wisdom in their ability to see beauty in, in horrible things, you know, but that this, this issue makes it such that we're, we're really dealing, when we talk about art or music and the value that we experience, you know, the, con the contribution that they make to our lives we're talking about something that's extremely slippery when we attempt to commodify it. And this, this idea that we're moving beyond an information economy and into a wisdom economy is something that I, I deeply, deeply hope to, to live to see because I don't understand how that will ever be possible without fully appropriating and commodifying 
the most deeply personal, internal and sacred places that are available to us as human beings. Like until you can say, you know, until we can put a price on happiness, I just don't know how we're going to do it. And do we even really want to put a price on happiness? And, and of course, and even if we could, would we be able to know? I mean, especially now, I mean, I just, I saw this great talk last night, this TED talk, Dr. Walbringer, I think his name was from Harvard University. And I don't know if you've seen it, but it talks about how the key to happiness is in our good, having good relationships with other people. So how can we actually deliver that to anyone? Like as psychologists, right? We're all about trying to like medicalize and heal and everything. How are we going to deliver someone a good relationship? That's pretty much something they have to do. Well, how do you, I mean, in a similar vein, you know, how do you, it, it kind of gets to this issue of, you know, can you, does, is it grace or is it good works that leads to a person's awakening, you know, <laughs> like your salvation? It, can you really sit on the meditation cushion for 20,000 hours and expect that you're going to awaken from the illusion of your separation, you know, or like. <laughs> What does it take to raise a good kid? Everybody's got these ideas, but ultimately I think perhaps this whole conversation is rooted in a false assumption, which is that that we're actually doing any of this. Or you know? that it's that it's even it's so subjective, right? It's like people are well, I guess everybody's looking for answers, right? You look at the internet today and every single website that you write for, that I write for, and everything in between, there's articles out there and videos and information about like how to answer this question or that question. You know, six ways to clean up your relationships for the spring, or like five ways to conquer your autoimmune disease or whatever. Like everyone's seeking these answers, but you're right. Maybe it's like what are we really what are we really spending our time doing should we just go and live our life and do what feels right instead of asking and looking and seeking and then getting caught up and like comparing it all well i mean definitely definitely getting back to the earlier subject the more that we try the more that we allow ourselves to drink the Kool-Aid of <laughs> believing <laughs> that we have some sort of control over yeah. the situation that you know like th th ultimately you know this search for happiness is, uh, you know, again, an Alan Watts thing. You know, he, he, he cites this, he uses this word enantiodromia, which is Big when, word. yeah, it's when something leads to the opposite of its, you know, itself. So you're trying to be a good person. And in trying to do the right thing for your family and your country, you find out, you know, the, uh, oops, history uh, says, you know, I'm a Nazi. You know, like I wasn't taking a big enough perspective. Now, there's always some little seed of that, like control fetish and that illusion of of a, a separation from right. the world. You and know, that's like, like the true unhappiness. Manipulate things is a disaster. Yeah. It's just going to make yeah. things worse. Yeah. So you know, <laughs> Michael, I love what you're saying. Um, we're going to take a quick commercial break right now. I love speaking commercials. Of, I know. Speaking of the quest for happiness. Um, and I, you know, you're definitely, you, I, I love talking to you. This is great. Um, I'm Dr. Kelly and you are listening to Lucid Planet Radio. When we come back, Michael Garfield and I are going to talk more about art and creativity and really more about where the future is going in this like crazy new psychedelic renaissance that we're all experiencing. So stick with us and we'll be right back.
My name is Dr. Friedman Schaub. Anxiety is in many ways a learned behavior, which is rooted in our childhood. During our early years, when we are the most dependent on others, negative feedback, judgment, or ridicule infiltrate our subconscious mind and leave us wondering whether we are really safe, lovable, or good enough. In response, a part of our mind develops protective strategies to keep us from getting hurt. Let's imagine that the anxiety you've been battling with stems from the part that has assumed the job of keeping you safe. Doesn't it then make sense that your anxiety makes you expect the worst, so that you are prepared, keeps you on your toes to avoid failure, or shames and belittles you before someone else can do this to you? When you consider the source of your anxiety as a vulnerable child that just tries to keep you safe, you no longer feel that you're the victim of your own mind but instead are more easily able to take on the role of the caring, reassuring adult. Tune in to Lucid Planet Radio with Dr. Kelly Neff. This hit show will illuminate your senses and empower you beyond your daily stressors and hardships. Renowned psychologist and author Dr. Kelly will captivate you with far-reaching topics and amazing guests as you wake to the greatest version of yourself. Learn to tap into your intuitions, think critically about our world, heal emotional and psychological wounds, and follow your passions to live your dreams. The Lucid Planet. Welcome home. Visit lucidplanetradio.com for more information. Transformation Talk Radio is dedicated to the education and awareness of Lyme disease. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Lyme Talk Radio. I'm Dr. Pat, joined here by Dr. Nusheen Darvish. Dr. Pat Basili and Dr. Nusheen Darvish will be bringing the most innovative, groundbreaking information, research, treatment innovations, and stories from those it affects every day. I'm so excited to be talking about this. We have so much to share. Dr. Darvish and I are planning to do is connect the dots. People suffering with all sorts of chronic diseases, it's time. It is time for them to transform. Tune into Lyme Talk Radio and help keep our mission strong. For the loyal listeners out there that have been listening to this incredible show on Lyme disease, we are not going to let you down. We're going to come through stronger and enrich the platform for Lyme disease awareness through Lyme Talk Radio. The message will continue. The conversations will become stronger and the healing epic. Hey, everybody, this is Dr. Pat. Have you ever tried maca? Well, maca is a root vegetable that grows at altitudes above 13,000 feet in the Andes Mountains. As a family-run company of true maca specialists, the maca team's mission is to provide you with fresh, organic, premium-quality maca products at a fair price. And they are delicious. One of the most common questions they get is from men and women who want to know more about using maca for fertility. Maca works on the endocrine system to balance hormones in both men and women. Scientific studies have found that using black maca boosts sperm count in men and women given maca respond with increased regularity in cycles and easier ovulation. Wow. To learn more and read stories from couples who have reported success with maca, visit themacateam.com and check out the black maca. That's themacateam.com. Almost everyone at some time in their lives ask themselves, what am I? Most of our questions are ego-generated and simply don't address the problem of our false self. It's time to relax your ego and embody your soul. Dr. Dan Cohen, neurologist, inventor, and author, has created tools to awaken a new way to transform from who you thought you were into what you truly are. Visit ToolsToAwaken.com today. 
back on Lucid Planet Radio with Dr. Kelly, and I am here with Michael Garfield talking to us about human evolution, the future, death, um, just all kinds of stuff. And I think Michael and I both agree that we have so many topics that we'd like to talk about, but we decided we just let it be like super lucid and go with the flow. And I think it's working good. How are you, Michael? I'm doing great. Yeah, this is fun. It's yeah, totally. it's, it's a little unusual to like get into a you know, we're we're surfing the cataracts of or like it's a white ra- white river, a white water rapid here where like every 15 minutes we got to like steer the boat around some commercials and keep the <laughs> keep this like Mm, focused, you know, yeah, like maybe we should sure. just have four totally different 15 minute conversations. Like you know, the next that, one should be about that gastronomy. Could, let's do it. I mean, I'm down. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I guess I have a couple questions for you and I just want to throw this out there to start it off. Um, because yeah, I agree. We keep getting in the flow and then breaking the flow. Um, this idea of uh, creativity, Creativity mm. is a way to immortalize ourselves. Creativity as a way to like channel our connection to the divine. Creativity as a way to heal ourselves. Cre- you know, creativity is is really one of the greatest themes of this kind of like psychedelic renaissance that we're seeing. Is that more and more people are embracing their art. More of us are looking to art and valuing art. And I guess my question for you is: You're such a dynamic artist. What advice do you have for people who are looking to get in touch with that creative side? How have you dealt with the challenges that you've been faced with? There are very simple environmental factors that I think contribute to the kind of vitality and dynamism that invoke or invite creative expression into a person's life. And by that, I mean specifically like one of the most basic things that I can offer to people is uh, the, the focal length at which your eyes are adjusted at any given time has to do uh, more than you might think with your state of mind, like your mood. And that basically there's this thing about being able to look into the distance, being able to see something on a far horizon and wonder about it, that that state of wonder sort of automatically generates a, uh, a reverence or, you know, in some people, maybe even a sense of obligation. It's in contrast to everything I just said about aesthetic arrest. Like when you, when you return from being absorbed in, in the experience of something beautiful, uh, there's often a kind of moral injunction to, create more beauty or to preserve beauty in the world. And I think, so like the more experiences of beauty that a person has, the more likely they are to feel the need to become spontaneously creative. It's also related to uh, the dopamine circuits in the brain because we, you know, we have these competing drives like we were talking about in the first block, you know, there's this drive to security and this drive to, you know, hunker down in our little burrow with our stores of food and play it safe. But then naturally, you know, uh, the, you know, the forces of, of uh, the evolution that have shaped us have led to this dynamic balance between that drive for security and the drive for novelty. The drive, you know, the, to, to, meet, to need new experience and for the brain to reward us with a good mood for these new experiences, which is why... Uh, in the the research on love and attraction that's come out in the last few years, 
I'm sure the uh, listeners can find this online. I don't remember the name of the researchers, but they did an experiment where they decided to see if they could uh, engineer two people falling in love. And so they basically created a recipe for the best first date. And it involved like things that are like manageably scary, like going on a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. And and so what they found, you know, these these two students in the lab went through, you know, they followed the step by step recipe, and ended up getting married. Uh, so it's not, you know, there's there's a sense in which uh, the body knows that it needs to go out and explore, and it needs to eat more, you know, it needs to find new uh, new, you know, places to to find food and mates and things, and so they're we're set up to to want to go out into nature and like get out on hikes. And, and yet it's so like bizarre and unfamiliar to most of us living in, in our like domesticated civilized modern life that, uh, you know, it can be awkward or uncomfortable, or we can have difficulty finding the time to do these things, but even little things like, like we, we try to mitigate the, the depression that we feel by locking ourselves in a box all day, every day, by putting up pictures of nature. But the eyeball is not fooled by this. The eyeball still recognizes that it's focusing on an image that's three feet away. And like, if you really want to accomplish what you're trying to accomplish with that image, you actually have to go outside or like look out the window at something in the far distance and like I've noticed since moving to Austin, Texas from Boulder, Colorado uh, in 2011, that I've had to find new ways to adjust my daily schedule so that I'm seeing things far away in this kind of hill country where I'm not as routinely exposed to the views of distant mountain peaks and, oh, yeah. you know, like these Colorado rolling so plains. Yeah. yeah, and it's like it's just so, naturally create that Rocky Mountain high is because yeah. people are rolling on dopamine all the time because their brains are constantly stimulating the sense of adventure. You know, can I ask, can I jump in there? Because you just brought something up. There is a lot of research coming out. Well, it's not really research. It's more like hypothesizing that at higher altitudes like Colorado, there's more dopamine, but there's less serotonin available. Have you seen this line of theorizing? No, I haven't. Yeah, it's really interesting. I think it came out of Utah because people were trying to understand why there's these higher suicide rates in Utah. (laughs) And of course, like there's a whole bunch of different theories about that. But one uh, psychiatrist, I believe, proposed that when you live at these higher altitudes, there's more open space, there's less oxygen in the brain, but there's more access to dopamine, but there's less access to serotonin. So if you innately have a serotonin issue and you come, say, to Colorado, you're going to feel more depressed. But if you don't have a serotonin problem, you are going to be so stoked on life. And I mean, that's how I felt when I moved to Colorado. I have been more productive than ever, happier than ever. I have more energy, even though it's freezing cold and I'm totally not used to winter. And (laughs) I I really believe that there's something to that. So I just wanted to throw that out there. You know, I'm a psychologist and I just think it's really fascinating um, how art, how our environment, all of these things affects the actual happy chemicals in the brain. I, I wonder with that. I wonder with that if it's if it has to do with altitude or if it has to do with uh, the microbiota available in that in, in that particular like uh, bioregion because yeah. because we know that you know eighty percent or more of the serotonin in our bodies is produced by the intestines and that the, that is regulated by the microorganisms living in our intestines. 
and that a major part of the depression epidemic has to do with people ravaging their their gastrointestinal tracts with you know pharmaceuticals and bad diets and mm-hmm. and that we're not we're not exposing ourselves to the microbes that are living in the soil where you know we used to have all of this stuff living in our bodies that we don't anymore and that that may be contributing to you know allergies and asthma and chronic inflammation and all sorts of stuff. So I wonder in that particular case if there is actually a a uh, a direct correlation between altitude and serotonin or cuz in my case I I felt a lot more serotonin living in in Colorado than I did in Kansas City where it's uh darker throughout winter. There's not as much sunlight. That's and you know, I was getting uh, I was really struggling with seasonal depression until I started taking a supplement of uh, 5-HTP, which is serotonin precursor. Yes. And like now that's a thing that I re- recommended for our winter huge, friends. Yeah. Huge. You talk about practical advice, yeah. you know, go outside, go for a walk, you know, walk barefoot as much as you can on the, on the earth, you know, exchange, you know, like d- discharge that uh, electrical buildup from walking around on carpets all day or whatever. We're not meant to be inside in a box all day, even in the middle of winter. Um, and on that note, <laughs> we have time for another break. <laughs> Thank you, Michael, for that. I think what you said is totally spot on, is changing your perspective and nurturing your body and your mind and giving yourself what you need to be in a creative frame of mind is massive. So thank you for that. Um, when we come back from the break, Michael Garfield and I will be here to wrap up the show talking about question mark, question mark, question mark. We'll see. So stay tuned. Um, this is Lucid Planet Radio's Dr. Kelly, and we will see you in a couple minutes. <laughs> financial planning is upon us where it is just as important to focus on your inner wealth game as it is your outer wealth game would you like to be in the forefront of this new groundbreaking financial movement lynn brown award-winning financial planner energy coach and international radio host will share real actionable money wisdom infused with empowering tips fear busting exercises and money growing magnetism are you ready to create your fully financially healthy life Join Lynn for this free two-hour full-spectrum financial planning workshop in Bellevue, Washington on January 12th from 6 to 8 p.m. Register by January 5th as space is limited and will fill up fast. Call in today at 425-372-4749. That's 425-372-4749. Light food and beverages will be included. See you there. Vale is a being of light. She believes that all people of planet Earth are as well. As co-host of the Angel Healer radio show, Francine teaches you heart-centered ways to manifest healing on your own behalf and how to integrate love more fully into your daily life. Connect with your angels as you find your life flowing with ease and harmony. Walk the path of light with Francine and Dr. Pat Basili every month on TransformationTalkRadio.com. What if we really didn't have to die to go to heaven? Are you curious about the afterlife or rebirth? The highly anticipated new book from author Dr. Susan Allison 
You Don't Have to Die to Go to Heaven, is available now. Find out how to find guidance and healing in the spirit realms. Order the book today and put it on your must-read list for 2016. Visit DrSusanAllison.com to learn more. Introducing the Lucid Planet, a digital gathering place featuring cutting-edge, high-vibrational content that will empower and inspire you to become the greatest version of yourself. Visit the Lucid Planet today to stimulate your mind, body, and soul as you connect with a global community of like-minded people. The Lucid Planet is edited by renowned psychologist and author, Dr. Kelly Neff, who is here to help you cope with anxiety, connect to your higher purpose, uncover your true passions, and live your dreams. Dr. Kelly's fresh, compassionate perspective emphasizes growth, transformation, healing, and thriving. Even in the face of adversity, say goodbye to bad news and low vibrational media for good and become part of the larger collective of people working together to navigate the global shift of consciousness and transform the world from within. Join the planet, the Lucid Planet. Visit thelucidplanet.com. Welcome home. Are you having trouble getting a car loan, divorce, charge off, or repo? Bad things happen to good people. Introducing Central Auto Credit. You will be approved every time, guaranteed. Call 860-564-4014 for Central Auto Credit. 1230 WPLQ. Welcome back to Lucid Planet Radio with Dr. Kelly, and I am here with Michael Garfield. We have been having a very fun and spirited discussion about all kinds of interesting things, and I think we're going to wrap up the show now by talking a little bit about where humankind is heading in the future. And Michael, you know, we've heard a lot, and I've heard you discuss kind of the psychedelic imagination and the idea that the 21st century is becoming really this collective psychedelic experience. You know, I had Rick Doblin on the show calling it the psychedelic renaissance. What, what does this mean to you? Well, I want to, let's distinguish or rather differentiate between the idea of a psychedelic renaissance in, in uh, Rick Doblin's terms, you know, because he's really, I think talking about a resurgence of interest in uh, the class of chemicals called psychedelics, and they're they're used to us as uh, instruments of research or therapy or you know just uh, recreation because it's an important you know it's important that you know in in discussing the legality of this stuff that uh, we understand that legalizing a particular class of substances does not actually uh, it's that it, we're regulating rather than acknowledging and asserting the value and the human right to cognitive liberty over our states of consciousness. So those are actually, that's, that's like, for sure. uh, you know, that like, for example, this, this, this movement to, to legalize and regulate cannabis in the United States is a very different outcome, maybe a better outcome, but nonetheless a very different outcome from uh, the decriminalization of it. And that, you know, you get, so that's one thing. But then as far as like 
where I'm coming from and where, you know, I'm standing on the shoulders of, of some intense minds when we talk about a collective psychedelic experience as yeah. the metaphor for the 21st century, because this is the rhetoric espoused by people like Timothy Leary and Terrence McKenna back in the, the 80s and 90s, when they saw the potential for the personal computer and the internet. And, you know, and Leary said, you know, that the PC will be the next LSD, which by which he meant that, uh, you know, that in, as a, in, in terms of media theory and the way that our brains relate to the technologies that intermediate us in our communications with one another, that television has a very different effect on the brain than a book does and computers and internet technologies have a very different effect on the brain. Like a, a desktop computer has a very different effect even than a mobile phone. And like understanding the way that we relate to these environments, you start to see that the way that these high-speed communications technologies uh, influence our ability to communicate non-locally and our exposure to information from all over the world is very akin to the effects on the individual brain and psychology uh, in a psychedelic experience. And, I, you know, the, there's a dissolution of this rigidly constructed boundary between the self and the rest of the world. You know, this is very practically observed in terms of the way, like, the, the, the news of the Vietnam War was one thing. You know, to read about it is one thing. To witness it on television is a completely different thing. You know, to actually observe this stuff. And it was like the enormous scandal and political emotion that came out of people seeing images of what was actually like on the front lines of that conflict. We're seeing this now where there are uh, like avant-garde journalists that are looking for ways to reproduce events in virtual reality so that people have a sense of the presence of actually what it is like to live through these historical events, to actually stand there and watch an incident of police brutality in person, you know? And so that, that kind of shift that we're going through technologically is affecting the way that our brains fire and the way that they wire. And it's leading us into, you know, a, a state of consciousness that is far more porous, that is far more distributed. And, and it's not really a stretch for us to say that, you know, the organs of human perception are now no longer uh, gathered exclusively in the body, but extend all over the planet. Like I can get on my phone now and I can look at Google Street View. I can, I can get you know, into the virtual reality Google Cardboard thing and and explore three-dimensional photospheres of, like, major monuments all over the planet. You know, I can get in a – I'm going to be writing about this uh, soon for the, the Body Hacking Conference uh, that's happening in Austin next month. Cool. That drone racing, drone VR racing is this instance where we're basically – we've created a sort of technological surrogate for shamanic astral projection – you know, where we're, we're, we're projecting our, our, our first, just, you know, just our vision, but ultimately, you know, uh, all of our senses into these, these like robotic surrogates and we're moving into the world in a way that we're actually like entering and inhabiting these temporary bodies. The guy that, uh, is credited, uh, Jaron Lanier, who's credited for 
inventing virtual reality, said that the map of the human brain of our own body is so plastic and malleable that we can we can actually use virtual reality as a way to teach people about organic chemistry or the anatomy of other creatures by entering and inhabiting them as though their bodies were our own. And so, you know, <laughs> this, this is a huge problem in one sense. Like it's as much a curse as it is a blessing because all of the anxiety, the paranoia, the, the complications that come with the, the digestion of our ordinary sense of self and our birth into this much wider and more creative and in some ways like beautiful, but also potentially terrifying space where we're not who we thought ourselves to be uh, is something that we were witnessing on an individual basis in the first psychedelic revolution of the 20th century. And now it's the kind of thing that we're having to manage uh, through the psychedelic medium of the internet as a, as a species collectively, like we're, we're facing this sort of collective ego death experience over the span of a century rather than as individuals over the span of an hour, you know? <laughs> and so in that sense, I, I think that, you know, I, I parrot the, uh, the Penn state, uh, professor Richard Doyle in arguing that the psychedelic experience is probably a, a really valuable, uh, metaphor and substrate for how it is that we're going to move into this future expression of, of humanity, a much wider expression of what it means to be a person, uh, but a person that is no longer isolated in the envelope of their skin, that is no longer isolated in, you know, the prison of their, their, their own thoughts and their personal minds, you know, and how do we move into this in a way that's, a, you know, a beautiful celebration rather than a bad trip? You know, <laughs> well, that is a great question. Um, Michael, that's all we have time for today. And uh, <laughs> I think you left it off exactly where we need to leave it off, because at least for me, I don't know. I mean, mm -hmm. it's it's kind of like we're going to have to wait and see. But by bringing up these ideas and by actually pointing this out and having that reflexive attitude, we have the opportunity to look at ourselves and what we're doing and understand it, not just being on autopilot and then wondering, you know, why we're confused or why we're disconnected or, you know, why we're moving in these different directions. So I really yeah. appreciate you and I really appreciate your insight. And I hope I'm sure that our listeners did as well. Um, so really, thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks a lot, you guys. MichaelGarfield.net. Drop me a line. Enjoy everything I have to share. And, and you know, There's, thanks, thanks, Kelly. You're absolutely thanks, no seriously. You want to get on there and read his website, but like he said, get comfy, cozy, bring a cup of tea. If you like the ideas on this show, you're going to love his articles and other talks on MichaelGarfield.net. So get in there, donate, check it out. Um, please join me every Wednesday as well at 5 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Mountain, and 2 p.m. Pacific. Uh, KKNW 1150 Seattle, WBLQ 1230 AM Rhode Island, Connecticut, and New York. You can also find me in all my writing and podcasts at thelucidplanet.com. And you can connect with me, uh, Dr. Kelly, on Facebook and Twitter at The Lucid Planet with Dr. Kelly. And also listen to all the archives on SoundCloud at The Lucid Planet Dr. Kelly. Um, next week's show is all about health, uh, particularly thyroid health. And I will be having functional medicine and thyroid expert Dr. Jill Kajiki on the show to talk about how to understand Hashimoto's thyroiditis and really how to maximize your thyroid health. So stay tuned for that. Have a wonderful week and happy 2016.
You've been listening to the hit show, Lucid Planet Radio, with renowned psychologist and author, Dr. Kelly Neff. Tune in each week as we illuminate your senses and empower you beyond your daily stressors and hardships. This hit show will captivate you with far-reaching topics and amazing guests as you wake up to the greatest version of yourself. Learn how to navigate the global shift of consciousness as you explore the deeper knowledge, passion, and purpose within. Visit lucidplanetradio.com for upcoming show topics and to contact Dr. Kelly.